that these kids were homeless. They were orphaned, many of them from the earthquake, massive earthquake that hit Haiti and that region was the epicenter back in 2010. And uh, my heart just became knit with these children that I got to know and love during that week. These orphaned children. And the pastor, Pastor Vito there, he always gets mad at me when I call them orphans. And I'll tell you why. Because he says, Linda, they are not fatherless. They have the greatest father of all. Father God in heaven. We understand the word orphans better. But I'll call them homeless children. So these homeless children survived by
It's not only going to be an orphanage or a home for 30 children, which it will be, but part of the building will be a training center so that when the children graduate from grade 8 at the Christian school, they can continue their education at the house of home and they can learn a trade and job skills so that they can break the cycle of poverty, so that they can um, earn a living, and not only that, so that they can be an example to follow the leaders in the community. I believe that is a lot of for these kids that have been forsaken. So, would you like to lead some of these kids? We have eight by 10 photos, so just 10 of them. There's more than that, but I just uh, took photos of 10 and brought a whiteboard. So if the, there's, it's interesting because there's 10 directors of the board and founders of our church, and I thought, perfect, one for each one. Well, if you couldn't make it, so I've asked other leaders to come. So if the leaders could just come forward with their photo, we want you to meet them. And we'll just form a line, I guess, right in front here. I don't know. Can you see from down there? Do they need to come up? I want you to be able to see these kids. I brought a whiteboard this past year. This past year I went back. Uh, speaking at the convention. And the kids agreed that I could take their pictures and write their names down. And so uh, we're going to do that in a minute. But one thing I want to make really clear, <coughs> this showing the pictures and the scripture is not a pressure tactic or trying to manipulate you into giving. I detest that, and I think the body of Christ has happened. I'm not saying here, I'm saying worldwide. But for me, it was the word of God that convinced me that I needed to help these kids. It was the scripture. It was the word. And it was the moving of the Holy Spirit that convicted me that I had been so selfish. I who had so much, who wasn't willing to be, who wasn't willing to give. So I just, I'm going to come down here beside Brian. <clears throat> And I'll start this off. I'm going to tell you the name of this child. This name is Benji. Benji calls me Mama. And I call him Son. And the scripture the Lord spoke to me was from Psalm 27, verse 10. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. That's Benji. This is Rolando, and the scripture is taken from James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and they be food. If one of you say them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about your physical needs, what does good is it? This is Russo. I met Russo's photo last week at 
set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your birth. Thank you, Lord, for each one, and this is just a representation of those uh, homeless children in Haiti. We're going to pass these photos around, and uh, I just ask that as you hold them, that you look into these kids' eyes, and you hold them in your hearts, and you pray for them. So maybe we'll just have half start at one side and half at the other, and just there should be ten of them that you should all, all see. Each of these kids has a name and a calling and a destiny. Thank you, Lord. And as you're looking at them, I'm just going to share a few highlights of this past trip in August because it was amazing. The Holy Spirit is spreading like wildfire across the mountains in Haiti. Duval, Bellevue Mountain is southeast of Port-au-Prince. You can actually look down over it, but it's a two-hour drive away. Last year, there were 650 people who walked to the convention. Many, many hours. That is their mode of transportation, walking. Imagine walking on steep dirt paths, boat paths, really, for six to ten hours. A thousand were there on the weekend. This is August, which is the hottest season and the rainy season, the most humid. And when they got to the church that Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, it only fit 600, 650 people. So 400 people stood outside at 35 degrees Celsius heat in the high humidity to hear the word of God. So many of them this year were brand new Christians, so this year we were a thousand. There were at least 400 brand new Christians just from the past year. It was amazing. And it was, uh, we were asked because of that if we would teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it, it was just like in the book of Acts, because people were saying to us, we've heard of the water baptism, we've never even heard of a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was our privilege to teach on that by the Word of God. Of course, everything in Haiti is in Creole, so we had to have translators all the time. But they, uh, the Lord opened the minds, their spiritual understanding, and many, many, many were filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. In fact, we had 20 water baptisms when we were there. And many of them came out of the waters of baptism, praise the God, in tongues. It was uh, an amazing time to see the growth of the people in the Spirit. I had the honor of sharing the message that I shared here on January 1st. God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, you remember that. And uh, the people there are very visual people. 
and there were many young, young Christians. So I'm so glad that the Lord had me bring that canvas again and paint the yellow leaf if you were here. And that yellow leaf represented us when we were dead in sin, when we were cut off from God. And I, I painted that yellow leaf in front of them all. And then Christ came, who was the anointing. His anointing broke every yoke. He represented the blue. The Lord who came and found us and saved us. And he mixed the blue with the yellow. And all of a sudden, you have us now. A brand new creation in Christ. A brand new color, green. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And those Christians there who were just some of them months away from when they lived in darkness, they remembered what it was yesterday, the yellow of sin and death. And they were rejoicing that they were brand new. And that old things were passed away and all things were, had become new. Many people there practice voodoo still. That is uh, widespread. And so they had just put away idols and demon gods and they were so joyful that they were made brand new and that old things, all that voodoo worship was behind them and it could not hold them back in Christ it was awesome and they were filled with joy and Romans 15.13 came to pass for them and if there's anyone here that feels even an inkling of hopelessness I, I declare this over you as well Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I was asked by Pastor Guito if I could bring many little battery-operated tea lights, so I found, I think I cleared them all out of drive that I could find, and I brought a whole bunch down in my suitcase. And uh, that... How they were used became another highlight of my trip. So it was an evening service, and uh, all the lights were turned off. They had a generator for electricity up there. They turned all the lights on in the church building. And in the distance, you could hear these children's voices singing. They were outside in the dark. And they came into the building with a little lantern with these little electric tea lights in it, 80 children. And their voices became louder and stronger. And they went up and down the aisles in the dark with their, with their lanterns lit. And some of those children are the ones that you're passing around here. And they sang this song in Creole. Light of the world, you came down into darkness. You opened my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. It was amazing. I had my camera videoing it. And I could not stop the tears. Because I thought of these children, I thought especially of the homeless children, singing, declaring, Lord, you came down into my darkness, you're opening my eyes, you're letting me see. You've given me hope of a life spent with you. I worship you, Lord. 
down before me. I declare that you are my God. And I thought of these kids who live a life I can't even imagine. These kids have faced trials and tests that, that I don't even know about. The children who don't know where their next meal is coming from. The children who have no parents, no family, no home. And here they are praising God. And I knew it was real. It wasn't just a program. It was real. I could feel it in the spirit. One more highlight. Mama and Papa Pierre, 86 years old and 94 years old, had eight children on Bellevue Mountain. More than 40 years ago, Jesus came to Papa Pierre in a dream. Everyone was practicing voodoo, including Papa Pierre and his family. And Jesus came to Papa Pierre in a dream. And he said, I am the Lord your God. Put voodoo away. Burn down the voodoo symbols that were all over their property and land. And he said, and serve me only. And tell your children, and I will make your household a light on Bellevue Mountain. And that light will spread and fill the whole mountain. And then it will spread all over Haiti. So Papa Pierre woke up and received Jesus as his Savior and Lord and called his family together. All, all the kids, all the brothers and sisters, all the nieces and nephews, and gathered them all together. And, and he tells me within two years, everyone had accepted Jesus as their Savior, the whole household. Including Pastor Vito and his brother, Pastor Wilmer. Now these are the two pastors that are the the leaders of the church on Bellevue Mountain. So last year, Pastor uh, Wilner couldn't make it to the convention, so I met him just this past August for the first time. And he sat me down one night. He um, speaks French, English, and Creole. My kind of a guy over there, because <laughs> I can speak directly without using an interpreter. And he sat me down and he told me his miracle story that so filled me with hope and so proved the faithfulness of God that I'll never forget it. Pastor Wilner and his wife Bernadette had two beautiful children, a little girl and a little boy. And they lived in a, a town called Pichanville, which is close to the church site on Bellevue Mountain, it's the nearest town, built on a very steep slope, the whole town is. And uh, Bernadette had a difficult time in the birth of her children, and after the second one, after she had the little boy, the doctor said she'd never again be a child. So these two little blessings were even that much more precious to them. They were in their house. Bernadette was at work. Pastor Wilner and Mama Pierre were in his house. The children were playing just outside when the earthquake hit in 2010. 
most of the concrete buildings in Patientville collapsed, including Pastor Wilmer's house. The wall fell on his children and killed him instantly. Pastor Wilmer was inside with Mama Pierre, and the house came down on top of them, and a massive slab of concrete pinned Wilmer's legs. And he, he tells me this story. He says, Linda, it was so dark. And the air was so thick with dust that it burned my lungs just to try and breathe. And I lay there and I yelled, Mama, are you alive? And she answered back, Yes, I am, but I can't see anything. He said, Mama, we are going to sing praises to Jesus right now. Because if this is my last breath, I want to be praising him when I go to heaven. And so the two of them started to sing. Covered by the rubble, rubble in the pitch dark. And it reminded me in the book of Acts when Paul and Silas were in prison at the midnight hour and they began to sing praises. And when Peter was in chains, and he began to praise and glorify God, and a miracle happened. And just like that, a miracle happened at Pastor Miller's house. As they were singing, a second tremor came, and the tremor moved everything that was in the house, and it released his legs, the, the slab moved up, so that Wilder's legs were now free. And also, it shifted the door, there was a wooden door that was all broken, and there was now a shaft of light coming through where the wooden door was. And Wilmer said, we will keep on singing. Crawl through the debris, Mama, and head for the light. Don't stop till you get to the light. And so he dragged himself with a broken leg, and Mama dragged herself to the light. And once they got to that door, there was just a little pinhole that they could just put their hand through. And the Lord had sent a man from their church. And when the earthquake happened, the Lord said to him, go to Pastor Wilmer's house, he has need of you. And so he ran over, and he was there to break open the door and to pull Pastor Wilmer and Mama free. And they're still here today. Bernadette was at work. And she came running home. She was unhurt. And she came running home and found her children and was completely devastated. Within a short time, her and Pastor Wilner moved away to Montreal. So great was her anguish, and she vowed, never again will I return to Haiti.
And on the seventh year, after the earthquake, in walks his wife Bernadette, who had returned to Haiti. And behind her walked two children, a little girl who was seven, and a little boy who was three. And they sat down together and continued their story. Bernadette said, I was so crushed. But within three months of moving to Montreal, I became pregnant. <coughs> Me, who the doctor said would never again be able to have children, became pregnant. And I had a little girl, the oldest, just like the one who was taken to heaven. And four years later, I had a little boy, just like my other little boy who was taken to heaven. And she said to me and looked me in the eye, and God has restored my children to me, just like Job. And she began to say in this past year, God had moved so mightily on her heart with healing love that he turned her mourning into dancing. He turned her ashes into beauty. And every time she was at a church service, she was dancing with her little girl, Chrissy. And I thought, you know what? If there was a more hopeless situation, I can't think of what that would be. And yet God moved concrete, and he restored what had been taken from them. I'll never forget Bernadette and Wilbur. The last meeting Sunday morning with a thousand in attendance, and it was super hot that day outside, the Holy Spirit moved in great power, and hundreds and hundreds were set free, including me. I couldn't get over the fact that the Lord kind of moved so profoundly in my life anywhere, here in our fellowship and in my own home, and yet he chose to take me thousands of miles away, surrounded by a thousand Haitian, black-skinned, Creole-speaking <coughs> brothers and sisters. And he moved corporately in the whole group. It was awesome. And the verse from Psalm 68.5 really spoke to me. A father of the fathers, the champion of widows, is God and his holy one. I'm a widow of almost four years. And he is a father to the fathers, orphans. And the Lord started to speak through that, that we are the body of Christ. His heart is to be a father to these children. And he's given us his heart. And therefore, because we know and love the Lord, we have, in, in a real sense, become mothers and fathers to these kids that we passed around the picture and looked at them. We are called to be their mamas and their papas. To help care for them. What does faith mean unless it serves these children? For they truly are the least of these, forgotten by the world. 
So these have now become our children. I have a photo of me with, with the group of kids in front. These have become my children, but these have become our children. And we have become their moms and their papas. And I believe God has given us this practical way to help care for them. To donate toward House of Hope for them. So that these children will know that they are the apple of God's eye. That they will know in a practical way that they are remembered. That they are precious. They are not forgotten. They are not abandoned. They are not without hope. So I hear the Lord saying to me, let's build them a house of hope. And so, uh, I think Nick is, is going to come up and talk about how we can practically do that. I know for me, the Lord said, how much do you love these children? I said, Lord, you know I love these children. And he said, do you love them more than TV? I said, yes. So you have me cancel my TV subscription. Do you love me more than your landline? Do you love these kids more? Yes. And all of a sudden, I had this extra money per month to give toward this house of hope orphanage. Do you want me to tell the details or do you as far as they know? Okay. Um, phase one is the basement. It's the water cistern because the water is all catchment water from the rain. They're up in a mountain, it's very dry. There's no spring there. The spring is way down at the bottom of the mountain, all down. So they have a cistern, there's a basement, a first floor, the plumbing, the electrical, and a, a concrete fence around the property with a big gate, which is essential for safety in Haiti for the children. The cost of that is $97,486 American. We have 15,000 Canadian in the bank and 4,000 American in the bank, which we will put toward that. Uh, after I met with the leaders there this past uh, August, and I said, we don't want to wait until this project is finished before kids can live there. Because right now they have four of the kids that you passed around living in a shed uh, so that they can have a place to get out of the rain. That's all it is, is a shed, a little car. And so I said, how can we make sure that after phase one, the neediest of children will have a home with house, house parents? And that's why now they have budgeted in the fence around it. And they're good to go. As soon as that is built, it is a self-contained unit. They have a, a full roof on it. Um, then the neediest of the children can live there right away. So I'm asking the Lord for a year. We're going to have online donations as well. We're going to have an online button. I encourage everyone to share it on Facebook or any of the sites that you have. So this will, will take off. But I believe God has these kids in his heart. 
and he's given us the privilege to stand in his place and be his hands and his feet for these children. So,